values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, listen, it didn't end yesterday the way we wanted it to. We got another game coming up, so let's get it done. Let's do it right now. Yeah, it's our hottest ticket in town qualifier right now. Robbie Pond, Robbie Pond, P-O-N-D from Surprise. You have 10 minutes to call. Here's the phone number. 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. Robbie Pond, you have 10 minutes to call. Now, don't go away because if for some reason Robbie Pond does not call in 10 minutes, we're going to open the phones and someone is going to qualify here in a few minutes so you still might have a chance but good luck to robbie pond let's see if we can't get a winner i love this contest i think it's pretty cool um all right so there you have it um this is kind of disturbing to me uh the idea that we i've talked about this um uh, often that we punish ba- or I'm sorry that we reward bad behavior. I don't know that there is anybody that is a, a, a psychologist that says rewarding good behavior is a smart idea and somehow we do that. Somehow we happen to do that. Um, and in the case of Chicago, Illinois, we had these teenagers over a two-night period cause mayhem in this part of downtown Chicago. And again, I'm not familiar with Chicago, so I apologize. But they call it the loop and the waterfront that over two nights of serious property damage to people's vehicles and other things, there was two young people shot during this altercation. And the mayor-elect of Chicago said it's, doesn't, it's not productive to demonize these kids. They need bigger opportunities. And I want you to hear a little bit of what he said about the why of this, the demonizing them. He says, no way do I condone this. However, it's not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. So here's his solution. Our city must work together to create... Spaces for youth to gather safely and responsibly under adult guidance and supervision to ensure that every part of our city remains welcome for both residents and visitors. The funny thing about that statement is the reason that parts of Chicago weren't safe over the last couple of days were because of these young people. So now you're saying the reason they did it is because of the failings of other people and the way to fix this problem is now to give them advantages. I think that is as counterproductive as anything I've ever heard of. Now, here's a story that boggles my mind. New York City, they say that, um, and I'm going to read this, the accurate numbers, uh, 327 people in New York City are collectively Guilty of one third of all shoplifting in New York. Now, there's a city of eight million people. I want you to think about this. And I haven't done the math, but they say that they have been arrested or rearrested 6,000 times. Do the math on 320. Julia, do me a favor. Julia, do me a favor. Do you have a calculator on your phone? Do you have a calculator on your phone? Yes. Do me a favor. Do the math on this. Divide 6,000 by 327 and tell me what you come up with. Divided by 327? Correct. 
18.3486. So 20 times, basically. Yep. Thank you. So that means each of these people have been arrested about 20 times. 20 times apiece on average. At what point does New York City throw away the key? And what they talk about in this story is the revolving door where there isn't bail. They can't keep them. They really know there is no punishment. They don't show up for court. 327 people are responsible for one-third of the city's shoplifting. We have, we have uh, places, um, uh, stores, uh, Cracker Barrel, uh, Walmart. Other retailers that are leaving parts of the country because of the high crime rates, because they can't afford the loss anymore because of shoplifting, because of theft. The 7-Eleven Corporation in um, in the Los Angeles area, I want you to think about how many 7-Elevens there must be in the Los Angeles area. They've said, get out, franchisers, shut it down. You can't make any money. You can't sell goods. And they're stealing more than they're buying. You're losing money. We're losing money. Let's shut them down. And so what are we doing? We, we continue to either not punish or reward bad behavior. And this is the part of it that I don't understand. Why is it? The headline, two shot in hundreds of rowdy teenagers clash with Chicago cops for a second night. How, how can the mayor, what would you, if you were a law enforcement officer, if you were someone whose property had been damaged, if you are someone whose car had been vandalized or windows were broken or whatever, to hear the mayor-elect say that his plan is, uh, we need to build safer spaces for these kids. Let's not demonize these kids. Now, again, I've talked about this so many times, how I am someone that believes in redemption. I hung out with a bunch of friends. We were crazy when we were little kids. I hung out with a lot of kids that did some bad things. I'll be honest. I would tell you if I did. I've never done drugs in my life, not even smoked marijuana, never have. Not that it was a big deal to me because all of my friends did. I just wasn't my thing. Um, I've never uh, committed a felony. You know, I've never done that. I walked away before what was innocent kid stupid stuff turned into something you go to jail for. I walked away. But I've been around a lot of people that committed some crimes when they were kids. And they were friends of mine. Every single one of those people, every single one of those people transformed themselves into responsible, good adults with good careers and families and children. And it's been incredible to watch them become the adults they are. So that doesn't mean that because you're a criminal as a teenager or do I shouldn't say criminal, do bad things as a teenager, that it means you're never going to do anything constructive in your life. That's not what I'm saying. But I can tell you this when my friends got caught doing things they were punished there was none of this pro let's get them in a program that no they were punished they went to jail they you know spent a couple of days in juvenile hall they had to pay restitution they had criminal records until they turned 18 they had to pay a serious price, and it's what straightened them up, and it also was what made them very good parents because they didn't want to see their children do the same things that they did. And so we are doing a disservice in many ways. This approach of a light-handed, we have to do more in the community for people doesn't make any sense to me. Not at all. And I think it's a disservice. Coming up in a moment, it's Did You Hear This? We'll get you caught up on the big news stories of the day.
Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, Julia's back. Let's get started. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. The Biden administration and other U.S. companies want to hit major milestones when it comes to electric vehicles in the coming years. The goal is having half of all new vehicle sales be electric by 2030. Money is going to help expand electric vehicle fleets, including companies like Uber, Zipcar, and Revel, all committing to increase electric car use by members. Uber is committing to reach 400 million EV miles by its drivers by the end of this year. Are these goals attainable? I don't know. Um, The tough part is infrastructure. It's one of those things I've talked quite a bit about. We know that in California last year, within a day of each other, maybe the same day, California said they're going to outlaw gas and diesel-powered vehicles by 2030. In the next press release, they said, hey, if you own a gas, uh, uh, an electric vehicle, don't charge it. It's too much of a strain on the electric grid. We know that the same precarious electric grid in Texas and other places, you think about where you live, if you live in a multifamily dwelling. How do we make these vehicles affordable for people? That's the other part of it. They're talking about delivering a stripped-down model of an electric vehicle for $25,000. That's still a lot of money to a lot of people in trying to buy a vehicle. So is it a lofty goal? Yes. Do I think that they should let the market dictate this instead of pushing in that direction? I also think yes, and let the inf- let the infrastructure and the grid catch up. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is accusing President Biden of refusing to compromise on government spending as the United States draws closer to defaulting on its loans. I have not heard from the White House since our very first meeting. President Biden has been missing in action and misleading the public. Mr. President, with all due respect, enough is enough. What happens if the United States defaults on its loans? Yeah, we're we're going to be in a very, very bad place. And one of the uh, what I'm hearing is a one year deal that includes spending cuts. And uh, I, I don't know that the president is going to compromise on this. But we do know that both sides are pointing the fingers at the other. Democrat senators were saying what happens if the, there is a Republican default on all of this. The American people understand this has happened before. We do want to see the government live more responsibly like most Americans have to live responsibly. But will we default on our loans again? Are we going to watch our credit status in the world drop down because of it? That's where the game of chicken begins and ends. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know if the Biden administration is going to compromise enough. It always seems to be which side blinks first, and I don't know what the answer is. You're listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day to catch you up on the major news stories. Arizona Senator Mark Kelly joined CBS's Face the Nation and discussed gun violence in America, citing some concerns he has about Arizona's gun laws. Here in the state of Arizona or Texas or many places, you can go to a gun show and get a gun without a background check. That doesn't make sense to most Americans. Do we need stricter laws regarding gun shows? No. As a matter of fact, everything that they are talking about is, is for the most part, not true. It is a scare tactic. Re- when you look at gun shops, you look at people that want gun guns that are selling guns, legitimate gun uh, dealers that are going to these gun shows. They're doing background checks on people. What is happening here is every law that they are saying would work or do something would have not stopped any one of those shootings. I understand why the senator feels the way he does after what's happened. 
happened to his family. I don't blame them for feeling the way they feel. I want results that are actually going to work in changing the dangerous situations that are out there. I don't think putting more restrictions on people like me is going to do that because I'm not dangerous in the first place. We should be looking in other places. Thousands of Bostonians are gathered for the start of the Boston Marathon this morning, and they are marking the 10-year anniversary since the Boston Marathon bombing. Boston certainly remembers the tragedy of that day. The people here are also reflecting on how Boston banded together, the outpouring of support for the people in need, the years of charitable efforts under that mantra, Boston Strong. How has the United States been able to come together in tragedies like these? Yeah, it's incredible how it seems like tragedy is what binds us, and I'm sorry that that's the case. In the days that followed the Boston bombing, 10 years ago, we have something in Arizona that's Arizona-centric called Pat's Run. Nowhere near what the Boston Marathon is, but it honors the life and sacrifice of Pat Tillman for the Pat Tillman Foundation, and it is a uniquely Arizona event. And I remember that right after the Boston bombing happened, Pat's Run happened. And at Pat's Run, there were many people wearing the Pat's Run shirt with a Boston hat that people were asked. They were not told they had to, but they were asked, leave the back Packs at home. Please help out with the people with the bomb sniffing dogs and the things we have to do. And the community largely came together with the words Boston Strong. Even though our Pats run is not nearly the same thing as the Boston Marathon, it was a sign of solidarity across the country. Those kinds of emotions should not only be conjured up when bad things happen. And it's hard for me to believe it's been 10 years since the Zarnayev brothers did this horrible deed and caused so much mayhem. And uh, It's a sad anniversary, but I'd love for us to come together again without it being a tragedy that binds us. Let's hope that happens sooner rather than later. Great job, Julia. Welcome back. I'm glad you're back after a couple of days off. Uh, We'll do it again tomorrow morning at 1120. Here's the deal. We put out the call to action. Now, as far as I know, Robbie Pond did not call, correct? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. If you would like to be registered, you're going to win a Suns prize pack, but you'll be registered for Game 2 tickets. You'll be registered for it. Be caller number 5 at 602 277 5827. 602-277-5827. Good luck. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to go back to talking about the economy, the IRS, tax day, and all kinds of other fun things. Next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, I'm going to tell you one more time. Make sure you get registered and you can get registered by texting the word TICKET to 411923. We are giving away Game 2 tickets for the Suns. We will read a name in the 7 a.m., 7 a.m., 11 a.m., and 4 p.m. hours. If your name is called, you'll have 10 minutes to call in. If that person doesn't call in, we open the phones. We just did that. Tommy Scott is the registrant. He wins a Suns prize pack, and he's registered to win the tickets. Oh, by the way, you know, I'm not one to brag. You guys know that. I'm not one to brag. But the winner of Game 1 tickets qualified on this show. Just saying. So you're going to want to get registered. Um, Tomorrow's tax day because the 15th fell on the weekend. Um, So you have until tomorrow to file your taxes. Small businesses have enough to worry about with with tax day. Overzealous IRS shouldn't be one of them. Um, 
I, I've, I've gone down this road a couple of times today. What it takes in this country, how much money you have to earn in order to be considered middle class. And it varies based on the median income in the places you live. Cost of living is also based on the median income where you live. But also, what are we paying the American taxpayer? What are you paying in taxes? So for people on the lower end of the income scale – where you're not paying anything or very much in federal income taxes, I want you to think about this. How much money do you pay in sales taxes, local, county, state sales taxes? What do you pay in a sales tax where you live, whether it's Arizona or anywhere else? Um, How much do you pay in fees when you get a license or you uh, get a driver's license or you register your vehicle or whatever other fees are out there? When you pay your cell phone bill, how about the fact – go look at your cell phone bill when it's itemized, the amount of money that you pay in taxes so that other people can have free phones. All of these things add up, and I would imagine – and I've never done it, said earlier, don't have the discipline to do it. Even if you did it for one month, save every receipt. Write down everything you pay in taxes and sales taxes. Add it all up for the month. When you get an itemized bill at a restaurant, taxes are included on there. What are you paying in taxes on top of your income taxes? And I think when you do these things, one of the funny things, that well, ironic, I don't know about funny, but ironic things is that Arizona doesn't take a lot in gas taxes, California takes a huge amount in gas taxes. And so for a state that is known as out for the little guy, that's what California claims to be. They're going to level the playing field. This is what you always hear from leaders in the government. They're going to level the playing field for you. They're going to take from the rich and make sure the poor have opportunities, whether it's Pell Grants for college or opportunities for jobs or training or schooling or whatever it is that's going to make your life better. They always are going to give you an equal opportunity. They are there to level the playing field. And it hasn't happened yet. When you look at the most expensive places to live, and I've got a list of them, the top 10, beginning with Honolulu, followed very closely behind with New York City. But then almost every other one is in California, with the exception of Washington, D.C., and maybe one other place in the top 10. The least expensive places to live, the cheapest places to live, are in Texas and Oklahoma and St. Louis, and you're seeing the difference with the tax burden. This is what most people are looking at. Why do wealthy corporations – when I used to travel to Dallas – When I was doing the television stuff out of Las Colinas for the Glenn Beck program, um, I would be there sometimes a week at a time. And what I noticed was the major difference between Arizona and Texas was that Texas seemed to have a bigger middle class, that condos were nicer, cars were newer, uh, people dressed a little bit better. It just seemed like that was what was going on. Arizona seemed to me still divided kind of between the haves and the have-nots. We had a middle class, but it really wasn't that big. What we've seen in changes in the last 10 years in Arizona, where we've lowered our tax rate, opened our doors to manufacturing and industry, is we have seen a growth in middle class. That doesn't mean that people aren't being left behind. We know about our homeless and hunger problem in Arizona. I'm not painting everything with rose-colored glasses, but I am making a point worth looking at. When you lower taxes on businesses, they bring jobs with them. 
We've seen the tax rolls of the coffers in the state coffers go up dramatically. We have a rainy day fund. We have a surplus. All of these things are happening in Arizona, and we've actually lowered taxes. When you talk about the principles that you believe in, you can talk about Republican, Democrat, and it's going to fall on deaf ears, or you've already won somebody over. There's really not much in between. Now, there's a lot of independent voters, but this is where the battle lines are drawn. Why aren't we talking about some of the things that are working? Anybody out there, if you've lived in California and you were at the lower end of the income spectrum and you were told taxing wealthy people is going to make your life better, it didn't. The government lives better. They have a lot more discretionary income and they can throw money around to different programs. But how is it improving people's lives? And the answer is that it hasn't. You come to a place like Arizona where we've lowered the tax burden. You're seeing people making more money. You're seeing people keep more of their own money. So for me, this isn't a Republican versus Democrat conversation. This is an American conversation that all of us, Republicans and Democrats, will always argue about what the government should do with the tax dollars we give them. And I think that's a valuable check and balance conversation. It keeps both parties in check And they balance out the other side. But what we've turned into is nobody gets told no. Everybody gets what they want. And all we do is add it to the deficit and increase taxes. That's what continues to happen over and over and over again. And they're doing it again at the federal level. There are massive tax increases that are being proposed at a time when the Treasury is still taking in more money than ever before. Nobody trusts, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but everybody's, I shouldn't say nobody trusts, everybody's afraid of the IRS. We'd all agree on that, that we're all afraid of the IRS. Nobody wants to get a letter from them. No one wants to be audited. They want to be left alone. They don't want to be involved. And yet, there is one segment of our society that continues to say, yeah, 67,000 or 87,000 more employees is a good thing. Go after those rich people. It's small businesses. That's who's going to pay this price. And so you've got billionaires and multimillionaires that can hire enough accountants and attorneys to whittle their tax burden down to almost nothing. And you've got wealthy people or people that make good livings that don't have that kind. They pay an accountant to do their taxes, and they pray that it's done right. They pay as little as possible they believe, and if they make a mistake, they get penalties and interest that make it almost overwhelming to overcome. Why aren't all Americans a bit suspicious of that? That's the issue for me. We should all be suspicious of the government together from both political parties, and then we'll fight about our party politics when it comes time to divvy up that money. We still have one segment of the show to go. We're going to go back to a, a previous topic, maybe a little bit more about this because I think it's very important. But we'll get to all this stuff coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Appreciate you spending some time here with the show. Um, You go into governmental meetings, uh, sessions of the legislature and things. There are times where people will rise and say, I'd like to take a moment for a point of personal privilege, and it's to introduce somebody or introduce something. Um, And so for a moment, I hope you'll indulge me. I'm going to take a point of personal privilege here. A week ago, um, I lost a very good friend. Um, 
And I would say, based on what's happening online and the tributes to this guy, he was a very good friend to a lot of people. Uh, His name is Dan Fowley. You may not have ever heard of him unless you're involved in the sport of rodeo in Arizona. And if you're involved in the sport of rodeo in Arizona, there's no way you hadn't heard of him. He was an icon. in 1995, when I moved here, I wanted to be a rodeo cowboy, and uh, one of the first people I met was Cody Custer, who was a world champion bull rider, and I wanted to learn to ride bulls from him. And when I realized that was not going to be the life for me in the sport of rodeo because I was not a very good bull rider um, – I wanted to be involved, and Dan Fowley and another guy named Wayne Brooks took me under their wing and allowed me to flourish as a rodeo announcer. And I traveled all over the southwestern United States, largely doing rodeos that they used to do, following in their footsteps. And Dan, along with Wayne, became very close friends. Um, Dan and I have been friends for well over 20 years. I'd say 25 years is a lot closer to the amount of years we've been friends. And uh, he died last week un, um, pretty suddenly, and it was a shock to everybody that knew him. Um, the reason why I'm telling this story is because, you know, when you lose somebody unexpectedly, there's a there's a time period where you are shocked. I had an opportunity to uh, talk with his wife, and they've got children, and he was so close with his family. And when Dan and I would get together, D- Dan was the guy. Here's how I describe Dan Foley. Dan Foley was the guy that when you saw him across the room or across the arena at an event, you pointed in his direction, you got a big smile on your face, and you started to walk his way because you knew for certain you were going to laugh your head off and you were going to be glad that you saw him. There was nobody that had a more self-deprecating sense of humor. He made fun of him himself and never anybody else um, and was just an all around really good person. And that's what everybody says when somebody passes. But I can tell you that Dan Fowley was as special a human being as I've ever been around. Um, So I'm taking this time to honor him because it's my way of trying to come to grips with the fact that um, I didn't see him very often. We would contact each other through text message. We were scheduled to get together soon um, like we would every once in a while for lunch and He was a veterinary salesman for a living, and he rodeoed with his children, and he was a great rodeo announcer across the country. He did rodeos in Alaska and California and everywhere in between and East Coast, West Coast. He was such a fixture, and he announced Rodeo Scottsdale each year, what most people used to know as Parada del Sol. And um, he was a fixture in Scottsdale for such a long time. And the only thing I can say, the reason why I'm talking about this out loud to you is because – I've just felt different over the last week. Um, hard to come to grips with somebody that you've seen is larger than life. He has always been a mentor to me, although he treated me like a colleague. Um, it is one of the greatest blessings of my life that he treated me like a colleague, but he was a mentor. He was a good man. He was absolutely irreverent and hysterically funny and made everybody laugh when you stood around him. And that is one of the reasons why so many people are going to miss him so much. There, I put a tribute up to him on Facebook. There have been hundreds of others. Um, but I keep thinking about his wife, Annette, and their children. And the devastation I feel as a friend who would see him sporadically and keep in touch fairly sporadically, I can't even imagine the sense of loss as people that were much closer to him than I was as far as distance goes that would see him a lot more often and counted on him for so much. Um, I can't even imagine what they're going through in the past seven days. Um, 
So I wanted to take an opportunity to give my best at a eulogy for my friend because I'm going to be doing a lot of grieving between now and his celebration of life. And there's going to be a lot of people in our community, and I mean the rodeo community, that are going to feel this loss for years to come. He was someone that was very special. And if you didn't know Dan Fowley, if you never met him, I'm sorry, because you would have loved him like I did. You would have been an instant friend with him. He would have made you feel as if you were the most special person in the room from the minute he started talking to you. And uh, I have so many Dan Fowley stories in the arena and outside the arena uh, about how funny and how good he was at his job. But he was good at his job as an announcer and rodeo announcer because he was so good with people. He made you feel like he was talking directly to you from the microphone because if you were in the same room with him and having a conversation, he didn't talk to anybody else. He made you feel like he couldn't wait to see you, and he did that about a 100 times a day at a rodeo performance. He was just that kind of guy. So um, I appreciate the indulgence um, as I talk about my friend. Because this one, I I feel this one deeper. We all suffer losses in our lives, and this is one of the biggest losses I've felt since the loss of my own brother. And uh, I've been struggling with it for the past week, and I imagine I'm going to be struggling with it for a long time to come. So if you think about it, if you're someone that's a person of faith, uh, pray for the Fowley family um, as they struggle through this and the people that were closest to him, his friends. This is going to be one that hurts for a very long time. And uh, Godspeed to my friend Dan Fowley. He uh, taught me a lot, and he continued to teach me up until the time that we lost him. Um, I wish him Godspeed speed and i know that he's with his father so that's the best i can say we're just about out of time we're gonna be back tomorrow morning just after eight o'clock and i hope you can join us for part of your day so until then have a great day everybody god bless